boy, oh boy, here we are, boy. here we are, man. I'm so super excited because we're super huge fans of this show, and I'm talking about Archive 81, yes. and we have the dad himself, Charlie Hudson the Third, Charlie Three Stacks, as you know him, <laughs> uh, coming on the show to talk about his role and this series as a whole. Oh, man, it's such a great interview, guys. Finding out about how he got started in the industry and his path to get to where he is. And then, of course, this guy's got the most infectious smile and he laugh really does. ever, uh, which is great because he shares the most embarrassing story ever, and you got to laugh about it. So yeah, I can't wait for everybody to hear that. It's so amazing, man. <laughs> it's so amazing. It gets a little crazy, but it you does. know that's later on the show. Now, here's an ad from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Self Pause, a self-affirmation yes. meditation app that helps you start your day, stay motivated, and love yourself. Because you guys know we have been talking about this subject a lot with our guests on the podcast about staying mentally prepared for the entertainment industry and how to do that when preparing yourself for life. So this app, Self Pause, is definitely a way to keep your mental health on track. Absolutely. And here's the really great thing about it. It's available in the app store so you can get it no matter what you got, what kind of phone you got or whatever. And there's they offer two different tiers. There's a free tier and a premium tier. Now, if you're worried about the premium tier, guess what? You can try it out free for two weeks, 14 days, and then it's only $3.99 after that a month. I mean, to keep your mental stability and to keep positive and keep re- that's worth it. Exactly. Totally worth it. Exactly. You guys need to check this app out. Do it. We do it. We love it. I think you will too. I really think so as well. Selfpause.com and like he said, uh, Google Play and the App Store on iOS, iPhone systems. Yes. But now it is time to get this crazy show started. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 185 this week. One year ago today at the recording date, we recorded episode 150 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. And now we are just a wee 15 away from 200. It's wild, man. Wild. That is so crazy. It is so fast approaching, man. We've got to get busy on the big plans. For exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Guys, we have everything that happened in Hollywood this week. Some name changes of some companies. We got so much <laughs> happening at Disney and Warner Brothers. It's absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. And man, oh, man, it's going to be an exciting show. We're super pumped to bring you the latest news that went down in Hollywood. Yes. But before we get that started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We're doing it right now. You see the shirts. <laughs> you see the hats. If you're listening to this, you can go to crazyantmedia.com and start rocking all of the amazing things and follow us on social media at crazyantmedia and at itcap podcast yes. to know about the promotional sales that we have going on like all the freaking time all the time man there's always a sale going on it really is there really is and if you're watching on youtube look here's my mask here's my mask it's super bright but it's super beautiful <laughs> i love it man i love it it's great to go exercising in it is but now it is time for the show. Man, oh man. We got to 
tone it down a little bit we because do. a legend, a legend in Hollywood, a legend in the entertainment industry passed away this past week. And I'm talking about Ivan Reitman. If you don't know him, he's producer, director, uh, who's wildly successful with his comedies and like kind of like sci-fi spook fest, especially <laughs> back in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of people know him from Ghostbusters. Of course. He uh, passed away in his sleep on February 12th in his home in California. He was 75, and the cause of death is currently unknown at the moment, or at least unreleased. Um, but we're all super sad about this because he put out such legendary content. I even went back because you guys know, even though I'm a young guy, I still love the old school films. I even went and saw the original Ghostbusters in theaters because that is definitely one you need to see in theaters. Oh my gosh, him and Bill Murray's collaboration yeah. are some of the greatest films ever made uh, back in the '80s, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible loss his son though is a brilliant producer director himself who yeah. did the latest ghostbusters movie and will carry on that legacy no doubt um yeah it's just you know man we're losing so many yeah man. like it's just from the 80s it's it's hard i'm glad he was here to see his son's interpretation of yeah to you know, fix the franchise yeah <laughs> that he yeah. built yes I, i'm glad too beautiful Whew. well i'd like to say we're moving on to happy news but we're not. Not yet. Um, we've still got some stuff. And this is some heavy stuff that could potentially change a lot moving forward in the industry. We know this has already made some changes in the industry. I'm, of course, talking about the tragic death of Helena Hutchins. Mm -hmm. um, the family of Russ cinematographer Helena Hutchins filed a lawsuit, and we all knew this was coming on Tuesday, against Alec Baldwin and others involved in the film, alleging that reckless behavior and cost-cutting led to her death. Now, the lawsuit filed in New Mexico cites text messages and emails sent by Lane Looper, the camera assistant who raised red flags about accidental discharges on set and who left the production with several other members just before Hutchinson's death. The suit also alleges that Baldwin violated numerous rules for safe handling of firearms. It also suggests that Baldwin committed reckless discharge of a deadly weapon, which, by the way, guys, in New Mexico is a criminal offense. He's been saying all along he's not going to face criminal charges, but we do not know. If this, in fact, is improved, he might face criminal charges. In addition to Baldwin, the suit named seven producers as defendants. Ryan Smith, Alan Chaney, Nathan Nyler, Ryan Winterspoon, uh, Anuji Nigman, Matthew Del Piano, and Emily Salvinson, as well as crew members Sarah Zachary, David Halls, Hannah Gutierrez, Reed, Gabriel Pickle, Seth Kenny, and others. Now, those names are, are significant because that's the first AD and the armor herself, which obviously, I mean, that that's why that's significant. Now, in response to the suit, the producers, including Baldwin, have argued that the case should be thrown out because, this is ridiculous, it involves a workplace accident which should be handled through the state workers' compensation system. What the fuck? That's the bit worst uh, excuse ever to try to yeah. throw it out. Three other crew members have already filed suit. Mamie Mitchell, the script supervisor, Sergei Saventoy, the gaffer, and Sherilyn uh, Schaefer, the key medic. Mm. Now, Gutierrez Reed who's the armorer, has also sued Kenny, who supplied the ammunition to the set, alleging that he mixed the live and dummy ammunition. Now, here's the thing. With all these lawsuits going on, right, and all these people being sued and all, I'm sure, is coming monetary settlements, yeah. the production only had a liability policy with a limit of $6 million. <laughs> 
not anywhere close to covering all these lawsuits. No, so. and that's a lot. It looks like a lot of pointing fingers, right? A lot of pointing back and forth as to who was responsible. But you know what? The buck stops with the producers, guys. They're the bosses. Exactly. And uh, there you go. You guys know we'll be following this one closely. It's one of the biggest things happening in Hollywood, and it could possibly change the entertainment industry. So oh, yeah. you know we'll be following this one closely. Now good news. Now on to <laughs> Disney, the Mouse House. We're super excited, and this one's interesting, so stick with us. Yes. Uh, for the first time in Oscars history, the award show will have all-female hosts. Ooh. Now get this. It's going to be Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes are set to host this year's Academy Awards. The trio were officially named hosts during Tuesday's Good Morning America telecast, which makes sense. And it's very interesting because this year's Academy Awards will require proof of COVID-19 vaccinations for most, but not all, inside of the Dolby Theater. Um, the Academy of Motion Pictures and uh, Sciences determined on Thursday that all the nominees and invited guests must show proof of vaccination and test negative at least twice via mm. PCR testing. Those performing and presenting at the awards ceremony, on the other hand, will not need to show proof of vaccination, hmm. but will be tested rigorously. Uh, this year's Oscar ceremony will invite around 2,500 nominees and guests to the Dolby Theater, which typically seats around uh, 3,300 people. Interesting. That is very interesting, and I, I mean, why not just... Like, why not the same for nominees and presenters and stuff? That I mean, yeah, are, are like uh, performers. That's yeah. that's interesting. I don't know, and and mask policies are different too. I guess if you're sitting down by the orchestra or in that area, you won't be required to wear masks. But if you're sitting in the upper part where the seats are closer together, you will be required to wear masks. It, it just make it standard for everybody, one way or the other. I think it's just that's going to be all kinds of confusion. Exactly. Um. Speaking of all kinds of confusion, which yeah. is going to happen with this, were you disappointed that Spider-Man No Way Home didn't get a nomination? I think a lot of people were. For sure. Well, the Academy's trying to fix that with the dumbest move ever. Twitter, Twitter, yes, I said Twitter, and the Academy Awards announced this week that they've created a new fan-voted category mm. at the 2022 Academy Awards. Twitter users can use uh, their platform to vote on their favorite film of 2021 by tweeting the title of the film along with the hashtags Oscars fan favorite and hashtag sweepstakes. The votes will count for any film, even if it did not receive a single Oscar nomination. Now, users can vote up to 20 times per day. Votes can also be submitted at the Academy's website. The winning film will then be revealed during the Academy Awards broadcast, which, duh, which will be held on uh, March 27th. Now, voting started this past Monday, and it ends on March 3rd. Three Twitter users, three, a whole three, who cast their votes will be selected for an all-expenses-paid trip to Los Angeles to present an Oscar award at next year's show. Now, I would want that. That'd I be mean, pretty yeah, badass. That's the cool part. Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty badass. But here's the problem, guys. 20 times a day, that screams bots being created, all kinds of fucked up votes. Like, it, it, and it means nothing. They're not getting a statue. So, eh. I know. It's very interesting, man. It's very interesting. But that is not the only <laughs> thing that's happening with Twitter. Another Twitter contest will be uh, running from February 24th to March 3rd, with users voting f 
uh, on the Oscars cheer moment, hashtag Oscars cheer moment, um, for this new category, voters will decide on their favorite movie moment of 2021, and the winning scenes will be showcased during the Oscars uh, with fan tweets. Five lucky people will receive tickets to a full year of a free movies in theaters of their choice, oh. streaming subscriptions, and exclusive items from the Academy Museum Store. Now, that's very freaking interesting because, like, one, you're going to get the two contests mixed up. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about it. And two, I mean, I, the first one has to go to Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, People are going to be so pissed about that to. that I'm. that's just – that's the way it's going to be. Or will we see Marvel versus DC? Because apparently a lot of people, the Zack Snyder, Justice but, League. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so – Who, who knows? knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> Here's what we do know. Marvel's Doctor Strange movie is going to kick ass. Oh my gosh. They released a second trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness during the Super Bowl, which of course is set to come to theaters on May 6th. Yes. A whole lot of Easter eggs and secrets were involved in that trailer, including a peek at Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch potentially turning bad when she says, that's not fair. Hmm. Uh Uh-oh. And a brief audio cameo from Patrick Stewart reviving his role as Professor X from the X-Men series. Yes. Now... He did ask, he was asked about that, and he said, well, people have been imitating my voice since I took the stage 60 years ago, Uh. so I'm not surprised. Sounds like another ditch effort to lie about being in the movie to me, but, you know, I think it's clearly him, and he's not the only one. People said that they saw Deadpool in the poster that was also released. Yeah. So, despite those rumors now flying because of that, that Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool is also in the Doctor Strange movie, the actor says... Not happening. When asked if he's lying about not happening, he said, quote, I'm really not in the movie. I'm promising I'm not in the movie. Sounds like him and um, Patrick Stewart are full of shit. Yeah, I mean, you really can't trust these things anymore. I <laughs> you can't. You... Andrew Garfield lied for a fucking year. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean... <laughs> Spotted on set in everything. Leaked photos, I mean, which were all confirmed. But, I mean, we're super excited about that because there's a lot of twists and turns that's going to happen. Illuminati. In that movie. The Illuminati. Marvel's man. Illuminati, just saying. All the good stuff. But more good stuff happening at the Disney World. Or in the Disney World, I should say. <laughs> At Disney World? I mean, We're going to Disney World? Yeah, I wish, man. Yes. Uh, more than two years after completing his ninth Star Wars movie, composer John Williams himself is returning to the Jedi fold with a theme for yes. the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. That's super exciting. Yes. And Williams has written the musical signature for the continuing adventures of the characters played by Ewan McGregor and everyone else, basically, it seems like, airing on Disney <laughs> Plus beginning May 25th we're super excited about it uh it's a birthday present to me he will uh he re-recorded last week uh in los angeles with the orchestra and of course it's under tight security so nobody knows about it but that's awesome man and little piece of trivia did you know the lead singer of toto is john williams's son that's so like freaking insane no one knew did you also know that like damn near every star wars film that he's ever composed was nominated for an oscar and the first one won yep the oscar for it so guys kicking not surprised Uh, hey do you have your driver's license 
competition. Well, Olivia Rodrigo did, as we all know. And guess what? She's going to use that driver's license for a road trip. Olivia Rodrigo is starring in the upcoming Disney Plus movie, Driving Home to You, a sour film. Now, in the film, she takes fans on a road trip from Salt Lake City, where she began writing her debut album, to Los Angeles. Along the way, Rodrigo will tell the stories behind Sour and discuss how it feels to be a woman navigating pop stardom in her teens. Featuring behind-the-scenes footage in and out of the recording studio, the film will debut exclusively on Disney Plus on March 25th. The movie will also feature 11 songs from the Triple Platinum album performed with new arrangements in unique locations, so that's going to be pretty cool. From Roy's Motel and Cafe to Red Rock Canyon Slate Park, also special guests Jacob Collier, Blue De Tiger, and Tawa Bird are all set to make appearances in the film, so that's pretty exciting. I think it's going to do really well for Disney+. Plus. Agreed. I mean, that was a super successful album, so you know, you know. I loved it. I, I, exactly. I, I sang the <laughs> shit out of that album, and I ain't ashamed to admit it. Exactly. Uh, but ABC, <laughs> heading over to ABC's Signature, uh, they have ordered a drama a drama pilot from This Is Us executive producer Kay Oigen uh, in the untitled one-hour series. Five therapists in Philadelphia find unique ways to solve problems in their patients' lives while grappling with their own lives. Now, Ellen Roman, owner of the practice and a brilliant therapist, has uh, her life shockingly turned upside down when she begins working with a psychopath patient uh, who may hold the key to the disappearance of her sister five years earlier. Oigan will serve as writer and executive producer on the pilot. That sounds like a very interesting premise, so let's see how that goes. Hey, and congratulations to her. If you guys aren't familiar, this is a woman who started in the writer's room under Dan Fogelman on This Is Us and is now the executive producer of that series and now is moving on and becoming a showrunner of her own. That's how you get that shit done. Shows how you can work Congratulations, yes. Uh, this is like the no surprise story of the day. Like, duh, everybody knew it was happening. How I Met Your Father has been officially renewed for season two at Hulu. The first season of the standalone sequel, as you guys know, uh, to How I Met Your Mother debuted on January 18th with the first two episodes and now new episodes dropping every week. Now the first season We'll end with 10 episodes, okay? So we're getting close. It's almost already at there. Yeah. But here's the good news. Season 2, 20 episodes. There we go. It'll be released the same strategy, 2 and then 1 every week, but we're getting 20 eps. Now, do you think that's the same thing that they tried to screw 1883 with? We'll talk about that a little later, but I well, think that's what's going on there, yeah, too. Yeah, a little tease, a little tease. Um, now, this next one we're very curious about. Uh, <laughs> bear with us with this one as well. Uh, the first trailer for Adrian Lane's erotic psychological thriller Deep Water uh, debut, bringing it with confirmation that the movie will go straight to streaming service with a Hulu release date next month. Uh, the movie is based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith uh, with Ben Affleck and Anna D. Armas, awkward, as a married couple who plays twisted mind games on each other. Did Ben write this? I, mean, I don't know, but she finally got off the bike, remember? Exactly, like the, 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 exactly. This, she was on the bike the whole time they were together uh, for this film. Uh. The official synopsis for Deep Water from Hulu reads, the film takes us inside the marriage uh, of a picture-perfect victim Vic, who's played by Affleck, and Melinda, who's played by Anna, uh, Van Allen, to discover the dangerous mind games they play and what happens to the people that get caught up in them. Deep Water was originally set at 20th Century Fox before the Disney Fox merger. It had most recently been slated to open on January 14th of 2022 before Disney pulled the title from their release calendar towards the end of last year. Now, Deep Water will be a Hulu original 
original, and that's coming out March 18th. Hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. Did he write this picture-perfect marriage where mind games hmm. were done hmm. and somebody got screwed over? Just saying. That does sound like a tr- – is this a biopic? Right. Never mind. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> hey, Elvis has left the building. But don't worry because he's coming back. We know because there was a trailer. Did you guys see this? We're jumping over to the bunny, of course, Warner Media, And the first trailer for Elvis's uh, – for Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's upcoming biopic starring Austin Butler as the king of rock and roll was released. The film explores, explores two decades in the life of superstar Elvis Presley before his early death in 1977 at the age of 42. Now, it's going to focus on his complex relationship with his manager, Tom Parker, who, of course, was played by Tom Hanks. This is the film that he was doing when he caught COVID, y'all. Yep. The film is set to open theaters June 24th with an HBO Max release 45 days later, and the trailer is intense, y'all. It's pretty intense. It really is, and I mean, we got an we got an emo Elvis, uh, first and foremost, and I'm really curious <laughs> to see how this will be received by the audiences, because the trailer looks a lot like the Spencer trailer in the sense of bouncing a l- around mm. a lot on the timeline, so I'm kind of scared about it. So mm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers has hired Adam Sigal, uh, who worked in the upcoming Black Adams, uh, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, to write and direct the feature-length live-action film for HBO Max based on the DC characters. And I'm talking about the Wonder Twins. Activate! Hey, and there you go. The Wonder Twins follows a pair of alien siblings named Zan and Zanea. Zan and Jaina. There it is. (laughs) I knew it was going to happen. Who hail from planet Exor. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, and have have a pet space monkey named Gleek. Um, Facts. And Zayna has the ability to shapeshift into animals, while Zan can shapeshift into water constructs. Yes. Now, super siblings' powers are activated when touching rings as they use their catchphrase, Wonder Twins Activate. Now, the duo was first seen in Her- Hanna-Barbera's 1977 animated TV series all new power super friends hour yes. so you know i i know you're excited look i'm super pumped about it I, guys i'm a huge wonder twins fan yes. i am a twin just saying uh i'm not gonna lie me and my twin sister used to run around the house all the fucking time saying wonder twin powers activate like we we, we we even still have the shirts i will post a picture i have my zan fucking wonder twin shirt i still have it I fucking am excited. About there this. it is. <laughs> uh, um, this is exciting news too, and again, a no surprise story here. James Gunn's hit HBO Max series Peacemaker saw its season one finale, and holy shit, did you guys see the finale? Fucking uh, no spoiler alerts, but Justice League um, uh, have the biggest single day performance for a Max original series ever, and finale viewing was up. 44% over the premiere episode. So it's no surprise that HBO Max announced right after that that Peacemaker has been renewed for a season two. Of course. Now, if you guys didn't know, Gunn wrote all eight episodes of the first season and directed five of them. But for season two, he's going to write and direct Every episode. Damn. Every episode. You would because, think that would be the opposite. Yeah, well, I, I guess, though, he announced, uh, I guess, earlier today or yesterday that when he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy 3... 
He's done, period, with films. He is focusing all of his effort on DC Comics wow. television shows. Wow. Yeah. So he's he's reverting to television, and he's focused on DC Comics television shows. So there you go. I mean, his career is so fun to follow. I mean, it is. To be honest. This one is very interesting. I know. I, I had Wonder Twins. You got uh, yeah. I mean, but this isn't the right Teen Titans. I was just regular Teen Titans. This Teen Titans Go <laughs> shit is weird. Um, Teen <laughs> Titans Go will be back for more action as Cartoon. Cartoon Network announced that it has renewed the live or the animated series for the eighth season. Now, get this: season eight will debut later this year with more characters from the DC universe, including uh, Beard Hunter, King Shark, and oh. others that will bring the series to its 400th episode milestone. I'm surprised it's been on that long. And get this: Teen Titans Go is now the longest-running animated series in DC's history. And that's a little confusing, but I want to try to clarify that because we just talked about the wonder twins debuting in 1977 in the super friends hour right okay well super friends in some form of incarnation ran from the early 70s all the way through the early 90s which you're thinking i know much longer than eight years but every couple of years they renamed it or rebranded it so that started as a new show yeah. even though it was the super friends the whole time i just wanted to clarify that because i was confused at first i'm like what the fuck does that even mean right but okay hey here's a question i know you're asking yourself on a daily basis right how big a draw is zendaya well pretty fucking big that's the answer why euphoria hit another series high with episode six in its second season this past sunday 5.1 million viewers across hbo and hbo max that's crazy now that's a 20 percent increase from last week's episode and 45 percent up from the season average now get this here's why it's such a huge deal those numbers were pulled off and Euphoria did it while airing opposite the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. Zendaya was able to pull in nearly 6 million people to watch the show during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Enough said. Enough said. That's all you got to say, man. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. Season two better than season one in my book. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, this is interesting. The Lord of the Rings, The War of uh, Rohrim. Yeah. Um, the original animated feature uh, from Warner Brothers Animation is set to for a release on April 12th of 2024 from Warner Brothers Pictures, uh, set roughly two centuries before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, The War of Rohrim. Um, will explore the exploits of Helm Hammerhand. Mm. And now he's the king of Rowan uh, a, and the creation of Helm's Deep. Ooh, Very yeah. interesting. The Stronghold uh, featured Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, voice cast announcements are be, to be expected soon, but with such a uh, anticipated and, and like really popular thing like that, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot of good people. Oh, without doubt, without doubt, we should have flip flopped because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. You're a few, you Game of Thrones, but that's how it worked. <laughs> yeah. uh, George R. R. Martin announced this week that HBO's Game of Thrones prequel series House of the Dragon has apparently wrapped production on its debut ten episode season. Now the series is set, as we've mentioned before, 300 years before the events of Thrones, and stars Matt Smith, Emma Darcy. Olivia Cook, Patty Constein, and more. Earlier this week, HBO and HBO Max Chief Content Officer Casey Bloys said that House of the Dragon will most definitely air in 2022, but he wasn't quite ready to announce the premiere date. Ah, 
Yeah, so you still have to wait for that. Yeah, you bastards. Um, now this, this is very exciting. Oh, man. We're pumped about it. We're excited to get the one and only Spencer Garrett back on the show. Yes! Uh, but with all the excitement of all the amazing people, we're talking about Winning Time. Bloys also said that it is bullish on Winning Time, the rise of Lakers Dynasty, which premieres on March 6th, March your calendars, uh, and confirmed that the producers are indeed eyeing multiple seasons for this bad, for, bad boy. Uh which means perhaps taking the story even beyond the Showtime Lakers era into the 1990s and the 2000s, that could mean we'll eventually see like Kobe and Shaq or even LeBron maybe. Now, get this, Bloys like halted all that. Was like, <laughs> hold on, hold on, let the thing come out first. That's he right. was like, he said maybe, but just hang tight. I don't want to rush anything with the show, but they're still rocking and rolling, man. I mean, I'm I'm pumped for that one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, now I'm surprised the wheels on the bus haven't fallen off yet because this thing's been driven around from fucking studio to studio to studio. But Facts. there's more news: Julie Pleck and Amy Choi six. The girls on the bus is on the move again. This time to HBO Max. Now the streamers given the drama series a straight to series order, and this is why I think it's going to stick this time because coming off of six seasons as the lead of Supergirl, apparently Melissa Benoist is set to repair with uh, Greg Berlanti, and she's in negotiations to headline the series. Now, as you guys know, it was most recently set up at the CW for development, having moved there from Netflix. Netflix had originally given the show a series order back in 2019, but it was previously reported that they had dropped the show after the pandemic pushed back the start of production. Now, if you guys don't know, The Girls on the Bus is inspired by a chapter in Choice Nick's book, Chasing Hillary. The show is described as a comedic character-driven drama that chronicles four female journalists who follow every move of a parade of flawed presidential candidates while finding friendship, love, and scandal along the way. That's, that's going to be a very interesting premise, and yeah, I mean, hopefully it moves forward finally. We'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> now, Viacom, nope, nope, just nope. kidding. Paramount, we're at Paramount. We're saying goodbye to Viacom CBS. Uh, Sherry Redstone, that lady, yes. and Bob Backish officially announced the rebranding of the entertainment conglomerate as simply Paramount. Yes. Way cleaner. Uh, Backish said in a statement, quote, the decision to change the company's corporate name and ticker symbol to Paramount is part of an effort to set a new tone at the company. Uh, Viacom CBS screams that we're two companies and we're not all working together as one. Backish also said Paramount was no longer prioritizing the legacy of linear channels beyond CBS, as in cable, and that it's aiming to reach 100 million global direct consumers on their streaming platform by 2024. Now, that's up significantly from 65 to 75 millions of their previously forecast, so that's going to be very freaking interesting, man. I mean, welcome to the streaming wars. That's right. And now, how do they plan on adding that additional 25 million? Bundle, baby. Paramount Plus will begin integrating Showtime content this summer, launching an in-app upgrade that includes access to Showtime's uh, programming. Now, the pricing for the bundle of the Paramount Plus Essential tier, which is what they're calling it, and Showtime, uh, it's going to be $11.99, which increases to $14.99 for the bundle if you go ad-free. Now, we have the Showtime uh, and um, Paramount Plus 
bundle under Apple, and it's totally worth it. It is. You totally worth it, guys. When they do this, if you only have Paramount Plus, get that bundle. For you sure. don't have to go through Apple anymore. You can get the bundle and just do it. Totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it. it. Totally worth it. And one of their biggest franchise film franchises out right now. We're talking about a quiet place. We all know that uh, part three was announced, and we announced that back uh, a while ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we got a date. So it will debut in 2025. Other than its release here, uh, details including the involvement of writer-director John Krasinski and stars Emily Blunt, um, all the others coming on board, (laughs) have been very vague. However, their participation seems likely because the third movie will serve as a direct sequel to 2021. We're going to see this film, and we finally did, and it was successful. So I'm pumped for the third installment. Yes, me too. And of course they're all going to be involved. Can you do yeah, A Quiet Place now. without them? Come, come on, on now. Now, speaking of a film that we will ever see or not see, the answer is we will never see it, and that's Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek film. How do I know that? Because they've announced a Star Trek film, and it's not Quentin Tarantino's. It's Dead in the Water. Yeah. But good news, guys, you Star Trekkers out there with me. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Zaldana, Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg all set to return to the Enterprise for their fourth tour of duty in the venerable Star Trek franchise. Unfortunately, one member of the Trek cast, however, sadly will not be aboard. As you guys know, Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov, died in an accident back in 2016. Breaks my heart. I don't know how it's they're going to replace him. Yeah. The announcement was made by J.J. Abrams during the Paramount Investors Day presentation earlier this week. Abrams is producing the new as-of-yet-untitled film, which will begin shooting at the end of the year. I'm so excited to get these guys back. I love them in the franchise, and I'm pumped to see them come. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And something that Paramount is completely sinking their teeth into and that is Tyler Sheridan um, yeah. now everybody knows the Yellowstone Empire is expanding now into Mary Kingstown different things uh, well it's huge man and as we told you back in early 2021 Sheridan signed a 200 million dollar deal at Paramount to expand his TV universe uh, the idea was that Sheridan's new shows will help uh, the launch of the rebrand for the streamer Paramount Plus so far that strategy has really fucking paid off <laughs> for Paramount and Sheridan and he's most recently extended his current deal by an additional five years which means he'll be creating content for the studio and uh, specifically content for Paramount Plus until 2028 so he's comfortable so what does that mean well we've got all the details and all the shit that he's doing right now yes now you guys remember on last week's show we told you that Yellowstone had been officially renewed for season five and is expected to hit sometime in the fall this week they announced the Yellowstone prequel 1883 has received an order for more additional episodes at Paramount Plus it's a tricky contract thing to not have to pay raises for season two, which we think is shitty, yeah. but we are happy that more 1883 is coming. Now, another, t- uh, and Paramount Plus has ordered another Taylor Sheridan created origin story following the Dutton family. Yes, called 1932, which will follow a new generation of the Duttons during the time of Western expansion, Prohibition, and the Great Depression. Now, this comes as 1883's record-breaking performance became the streaming service's most-watched show ever globally. Which is very interesting. I mean, basically, Yellowstone is becoming the Warner Media's version of Game of Thrones. Oh, without doubt. Which, hopefully, they don't beat it into the ground. But that's not it, guys. Sheridan's Mayor of Kingstown has also been renewed for a second season. We have a guest coming on next week from Mayor of Kingstown, so stay tuned for that. Along with uh, 6666 and the new uh, 1932 
1932. Sheridan will be delivering five more series, The Tulsa yes. King, uh, starring Sylvester Stallone in his first major TV role. Bass Reeves, starring David Oleo, uh, Loneliness, starring uh, Zoe Salnanda, and Nicole Kidman and Jill Wagner, yes. and Landman, starring Billy Bob Thornton, and Fast, which has no cast able, available yet, but I mean, still, that's a lot of shit happening. Yeah, so, clarify, Yellowstone, 1883, The Sixes, which is the spinoff with Jimmy, 1932, right? Mayor of Kingstown, and then five more fucking shows. Yeah. Like, how does he do anything else? That's what we were talking about. He literally writes every episode to all those shows. Yeah. Like, I don't even know when he sleeps. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. But, I mean, you know, you know, it's very interesting. I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah. I really am. Um, Halo has been renewed for a second season by Paramount+. Plus. Oh, they have other shows? Apparently, <laughs> in advance of the series premiere of the long-anticipated video game adaptation on March 24th, the early renewal is a strong vote for confidence of, for the adaptation of Microsoft, a $6 billion blockbuster gaming franchise for the Xbox, uh, which has been in the works uh, as a series since 2014. Damn! Damn. So that's... That's crazy, man. I'm super pumped about this is one. Is this why you waited? Uh, really yeah. <laughs> Billions! Billions has been renewed for season seven, my man. Seven! I am so excited. Season six debuted on January 23rd with new episodes obviously airing every Sunday. And get this, guys. Billions is now one of the longest running shows in Showtime history. Nice. Um, a lot of people thought it would not move on without Axe, you know, when he when he left the show. But no, it's fucking killing. It's slaying in the ratings. Renewed for another season. And... We can con- exclusively confirm. Uh, not exclusive. It was on Twitter. It's I asked a question. <laughs> Koppelman answered it, and we knew it anyway. Danny Strong will continue yes. to appear on the show. We love it. Yes. We lo- he was in season six. I'm sure he'll be in season exactly. seven. Exactly. More reasons to have him on the show. More That's reason. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But Showtime has also released the first trailer of the upcoming anthology series, and we've been talking all about this one. Oh, yeah. The First Lady, which follows the presidential couples throughout the American history. Uh, the Obamas, the Fords, the Roosevelts are all among the portrayed – Supposed to be portrayed people in the series. As we told you on past shows, we got Viola Davis as Michelle Obama, Michelle Pfeiffer that plays Betty Ford, Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt, and it's just got to be so amazing. Oh my gosh, if you guys haven't watched that trailer, do yourselves a favor and go watch it. Just Viola Davis as Michelle Obama alone? Yeah. Fuck! Uh, Hey, are you, guess what? I know you guys, I know you're excited about this. A Sonic the Hedgehog series about Knuckles is apparently in the works at Paramount+. Plus. Now, as you guys know, Idris Elba, who will voice Knuckles in the upcoming second Sonic film, will voice the character again in the series. And like in the films, the series will be live action. It'll be produced by Sega and Paramount and will launch in 2023. As you guys know, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will debut in theaters April 8th and, yes... We can officially say a third Sonic film is in early development. Ah, so we're getting a third one. Exactly. I think this second one is for sure going to be the Dark Knight of the franchise. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, now heading over to NBC Universal. Wow. Uh, Universal Pictures and Illumination uh, announced Friday that Despicable Me 4 is coming to theaters July 3rd of 2024. Wow. Steve Carell, Christian Wig, uh, Pierre Coffin, Miranda Cosgrove, and Steve Coogan. 
will be returning for the next chapter in the animated family-friendly series about the reformed supervillain and his army of yellow minions. Now, Chris Renault, uh, who directed the first two Despicable Me movies, is back for the fourth installment. He's Coming home, baby. So, nice. I, I like the Despicable movie, so I, yeah. I, I'm pretty excited about that one. So the next question is, what was everybody who wasn't watching Euphoria watching on Sunday? The Super Bowl, of obviously, course. and it was a whole lot of people. Super Bowl 51 between the Rams and the Bengals drew just over 112 million total viewers on NBC, Telemundo, Peacock, NBC Sports Digital, and NFL Digital platforms, and Yahoo. Now, it reached 167 million viewers overall, becoming the most watched show in over five years. People were happy to see somebody new. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's for a fact. Per Nielsen's data, the game averaged 101.1. 1 million traditional TV uh, viewers on NBC and Telemundo. This means this year's Super Bowl telecast was up 8% from 2021's showdown between the Bucks and Kansas City, which only drew about only only drew about <laughs> 91.6 million. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. But let's be honest about it. A lot of the people only watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. 91.6 million of the 112 million. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but what was the most popular Super Bowl ad? Well, we've got all of that information for you. According to YouTube, the number one most watched spot on Sundays was Amazon's portrayal of Alexa uh, wreaking havoc of the <laughs> domestic bliss of Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost. Oh my goodness. In the spot, Johansson and Jost uh, uh, imagine what it w- the world would be like if Alexa could actually read their minds. In short, the couple discover the truth hurts. Okay, let's be honest about it. But here's a list. I mean, Amazon's mind reader was Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost. And then we got T-Mobile, Zach Braft and Donald uh, Faison with Sing a Duet for the home internet. Universal Pictures, Jurassic World's yeah. trailer. Uh, Universal Pictures' Nope trailer. That one's very confusing. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, T-Mobile, Miley Cyrus sings a song for the 5G phones. Uh, that's the one with Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Uh, Nissan, Nissan presents uh, Thrill Driver. Booking.com, Idris Elba says things. Uh <laughs> Rukatin, uh, high stakes, and BMW with uh, Zeus versus Hera. Yeah. So, you know, and all that, the of good stuff. Arnold and, you know, Selma Hayek. Duh. Yeah. I mean, the one on. I was shocked that wasn't on there, though, that I was kind of like really disappointed was the Keeping Up with the Jonases. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious and it didn't make the list. Right. Well, hey, I'm super excited about this one, too. NBC's announced this week that Oscar Isaac and Zoe Kravitz will host Saturday Night Live in March. Isaac will host the upcoming March 5th episode. Uh, the award winning actor, who you guys know, obviously, is getting ready to star in Marvel's Moon night will be making his saturday night live hosting debut the musical guest for the episode will be Sharil xcx mm. now zoe kravitz is going to host snl on march 12th you guys know she's obviously set to star as catwoman in the upcoming batman uh this will also be her hosting debut on saturday night live and her musical guest in the episode will apparently be spanish artist rosalia that's very so, exciting yeah, man. i mean speaking about singing artists and doing things on television uh <laughs> kelly 
Clarkson and Snoop Dogg have been named the host of NBC's upcoming singing competition, American Song Contest. Now, the show will feature live new performances uh, representing all 50 states, five U.S. territories, and uh, our our nation's capital, competing to win the country's votes for the best hit song. The live competition consists of three rounds as the artists compete in a series of qualifying rounds, followed by the semifinals and the ultimate grand final where one state or territory will emerge victorious now that that sounds fun very very united i love that. yeah yeah okay yeah hey sony's got news and it's not spider-man what but it has (laughs) spider-man sony's uncharted an action adventure film starring spider-man's tom holland and mark Wahlberg was expected to make about 27 or 30 million dollars through the president's day weekend but guess what, guys? It's overperforming its past projections. It's actually now tracking to take 45 to $50 million at the box office. That will be more than enough to easily glide the film into the number one spot this weekend. But with a cost of $120 million to produce, it's going to need to sell a whole lot more tickets before it actually turns a profit, which might be hard to do because reviews have been dismal. The film is sitting at just 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So um, it's going to come down to Holland and Wahlberg's combined charisma to get yeah. people in those seats and them surprisingly showing up at theaters. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. They're touring the country surprisingly showing up at exactly. theaters. Exactly. Go see it, man. Go see it. You could team see Tom and Mark. <laughs> um, now, Sony Pictures is hoping Santa delivers a dominant Christmas box office for them. This year, uh, the plan is to release both Tom Hanks' upcoming film, the, A Man Called Otto, and the Whitney Houston biopic, mm. I Want to Dance with Somebody, uh, within days of each other. Now, A Man Called Otto, uh, which, as we told you last week's show, was acquired by Sony for $60 million out of the European film market, and that will debut in theaters on Christmas Day. Uh, hmm. TriStar Pictures' I Want to Dance with Somebody, starring Naomi Aki, uh, starring uh, as Whitney Houston, has now moved to December, or from December 23rd to December 21st. Hmm. So that's going to be very freaking interesting, man. Are they going to help each other? Are they going to hurt each other? I don't know. I mean, well, obviously it's a smart move because both have been Oscar buzzed talked about, so that's the time of the year to release for Oscars. Uh, let's Let's see. Let's jump to Netflix. Netflix, I know you guys are excited about this one, finally revealed that the long-awaited, and hell yes, a fucking long-awaited, fourth season of Stranger Things will be split into two parts. Volume 1 will premiere May 27th, with Volume 2 to follow on July 1st. The launch comes after a long delay. The third season, if you guys remember, dropped on Netflix all the way back on July 4th of 2019. It's crazy. Now, along with revealing the premiere date for its much-delayed fourth season, Netflix also gave us the great news that the series has been renewed for a fifth and final season. Yes, there we go, man. I'm excited about it. I know the whole entire world is as well. Oh, yeah. Just like another Netflix phenomena, and that is Bridgerton. As everybody, I'm sure, has seen, the trailer for season two finally dropped, and the trailer teases the much-anticipated romance between Mm -hmm. Anthony Bridgerton and newcomer Kate Sharma, uh, which 
will be the centerpiece of this season while also learning hard into the show's Lady Whistledown's aspect, uh, the anonymous gossip coloner uh, who is in the finale was revealed as Penelope Featherington. Featherington. Uh, the second season of Bridgerton will premiere on May, March 25th. So right around the corner, man. I'm such a child. Don't lie, though. Season one had a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, very, very <laughs> sexual. Very sexual. <laughs> Thank you, Shonda. Will Smith and David Oyelowo have partnered with Netflix to produce the film adaptation of Onyeka and the Academy of the Sun. Now, this is apparently based on the upcoming book by British-Nigerian author Toluya Ogugwu. The film, which is described as Black Panther meets the X-Men, tells the tale of a teenager who learns she has powers and travels to Nigeria to learn more about her origins where she discovers a threat to her newfound magical community. Oh, wow. That's okay. very interesting. Uh, Carrie Russell has been cast in a lead role in the upcoming Netflix, The Diplomat. Uh, the series was ordered at the streamer back in January. In this series, uh, in the middle of the international crisis, a career diplomat played by Russell lands in a high-profile job that she is definitely unsuited for. Now, the uh, technical... Uh, terrific implications of are the crazy implications that her marriage and her political future so i mean they're going head to head uh russell receives three consecutive emmy nominations and two golden globe nominations from for her best actress in a drama series for her starring role in the fx espionage series the american so that's very exciting oh, for yeah. her continuing on her career hell yeah Oh, this one's really exciting. Netflix released a teaser trailer for Adam Sandler's basketball movie, Hustle. And it's not a comedy, y'all. This one sounds intense. Uh, it's going to premiere on June 10th. Produced by the king himself, LeBron James, the film follows a washed-up basketball scout, played by Sandler, as he discovers a star athlete, played by uh, Wancho Hermangoiz. With a rocky past of the streetball courts of Spain, now back in the U.S., the pair struggle against all odds to prove that they have what it takes to make it in the NBA. Hustle also stars Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, and Robert Duvall. And by the way, in case you didn't know, Herman Gomez is a Spanish-born NBA player of the Utah Jazz, and he's going to be making his acting debut in this series. So there you go. Very nice. I mean, that's a busy guy right there. Hell yeah. Uh, Netflix, despite the controversy, <laughs> has announced that Chappelle's home team series of a standalone comedy specials featuring comics chosen by Dave Chappelle, who serve as executive producers on this thing. Now, this series... Series will debut on February 28th and is set from Washington comedian Earthquake. Now, Chappelle will appear in each special to introduce these comedians who uh, have all been working together for three years or three decades. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Hey, did you guys see? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is back. It debuted this week, guys. Season 4 debuted this week, and Amazon has announced that the award-winning series has been renewed for a fifth and final season. And get this, not only has it been renewed, but production's apparently already underway in New York City. That's awesome. Uh, now, get this. Why was it renewed? Why is it so popular? Well, apparently because, so far, the show has received 20 Emmy Awards, uh, including outstanding comedy series with 20 or 54 total nominations. Show also has earned five Critics' Choice Awards, two Producers' Guilds Award, one Writers' Guild Award, five SAG Awards, and a Peabody Award. Mm. It's also the first show in Amazon history to ever receive a multi-season green light. 
Wow. I wonder why. That's crazy, man. It's so good. It's so good. I watched the pilot, or not the pilot, the first episode of season four, and yes. it's awesome. Now, Bridgerton star Phoebe Denever uh, will executive produce and star in a new feature film for Amazon Studios entitled The Outlaws Scarlet and Brown. Mm. Uh, the film, a futuristic uh, thriller from director James Bobwin, uh, is set in fragmented future England where gunfights and monsters collide. Ooh. Wow. And where the formidable outlaw Scarlet McCain fights daily against the odds. Uh, when she discovers a wrecked coach on a lonely road, there is only one survivor. The seemingly less hapless youth Albert Boone so, Brown. So soon, new and epical enemies are on their heels and... A relentless pursuit continues across the broken landscape of England. Scarlet must fight to uncover secrets of Albert's past and come to terms for with the implications of her own. Mm. That's a lot happening. That is a lot happening. And the one thing that I'm really excited about that is because everybody's wondering, now that season two of Bridgerton was coming out and she wasn't going to be a part of it, what was she going to do? Exactly. Now we know. Right there. Uh, the Terminal List. We've talked about this one with Chris, Chris Pratt playing a badass Navy SEAL. Well, apparently the new three... Thriller series will premiere on Prime Video July 1st. Now, as we told you, based on the novel by the same name by Jack Carr, the terminalist fouls James Reese, a Navy SEAL who returns to civilian life after his team is ambushed during a high-stakes mission. Struggling with conflicting memories of the event, Reese soon has to go back into action when he discovers threats against the family and loved ones. Now, Pratt anchors a large ensemble cast with the series, which also includes Constance Wu, Taylor Kitsch, Jeannie Triplehorn, Riley Keough, Patrick Schwarzenegger, LaMonica Garrett, Sean Gunn, and more. That's fucking huge. Yeah, that's absolutely wild, man. Sean Gunn in person? Like, yeah, right. We see him and Real he's not going to be Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't think we've seen that since Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> GG, man, GG. Uh, Amazon has found its leading man for the upcoming Fallout TV series. We told you, man, Hollywood is loving these video game they adaptations. Are. Casting Walton Goggins in the lead yes. role. Like the video games on which it is based, the Fallout series is set in a world where the future in is invaded by Americans in the late 1940s uh, explodes upon itself through a nuclear war in 2077. Mm. No word yet on the character Goggins will play in the series, but according to sources, he will play a character based on the goals uh, from the games. Now, goals, gals, are humans who have been horribly, di horribly disfigured due to exposure of radiation, mm. but are also uh, largely immune to to the radiations and nuclear fallout as a result. So that's very interesting. Damn. And we're going to end industry news on a story that I don't give two fucks about. <laughs> the Dynasty, a documentary series over at Apple about the New England Patriots. The event series comes from Brian Grazier and Ron Howard's Imagine Documentaries in association with NFL Films. Now, apparently, the series focuses on the two-decade period when the Patriots were successfully led by quarterback Tom Brady, head coach Bill Belichick, and Omer Robert Kraft. Uh, it apparently offers unprecedented access to the organization and hours of never-before-seen footage and audio files from its archives. Filmmakers were also given access to the organization during the 2021 season after Brady had departed the Patriots to join the Bucks. Mm, very freaking interesting. We can't wait. Um, but now, we can't wait for our guest coming on the show. Yes! We got the one only Charlie Hudson III. 
from Archive 81. Yes! Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We have theories. Yeah, and he can't tell you because he doesn't know the theories because he can't confirm or deny them. Why? Find out when it's you listen to the interview. such a great interview, <sighs> man. Like, I absolutely love this guy. He's going to be back on the show many more times to come. <laughs> Definitely. I just can't wait. But now, I really can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Well... Here he is. Charlie Hudson the third. Welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, dude, we are so excited. We have so much to talk to you about. You know, the way you came up in your career is just phenomenal. And of course, Archive 81. Burr. So many questions, so many like mind blown, like like what is going on so with that? So many theories. There's a lot happening. A lot of people are talking on Twitter about this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. The theories are the fun part. Oh, always, always. <laughs> and then the, the the hard part is not being able to confirm or deny those theories, right? Like, like yes. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> yes. And I really don't know. So that's the good thing. <laughs> so you're safe. You can say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen to me. How we like this start the show off though is to try to uh to, you know for our listeners and our fans who may not be familiar with who you are just kind of a introduction um and, and tell us about how you kind of got started man did is acting like did you always know like it did it bite you early and say this is what i want to do for my life or did you fall into it or talk to that man exactly it, it definitely bit me early <laughs> uh, i'm only child and I love talking and, and entertaining. And I was always, you know, running around entertaining my mom and dad, especially <laughs> during like the thriller video and stuff. Like I literally had the jacket and everything. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but the one thing in particular is really funny. I used to run up to the TV screen when uh, the Cosby show was on because I had the biggest crush on Rudy. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, that's my girlfriend. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> so my mom and dad had to explain to me that, okay, one, this isn't this isn't real. They're acting. This is a TV show. And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> so they put me in summer camp for theater at, if I remember correctly, six years old. Um, and I immediately just got hooked. Uh, <clears throat> got hooked. So every summer from five years old until I graduated high school, I was going to theater camp. And honestly, it was two different theater camps. One was for the younger kids called TAPS, Theater Arts Performance School. And then the, the older one for 13 to 18 year olds, um, 3T, teaching art, what is it? Teaching through theater. Mm. Um, so I was just always in it. And oh my goodness, I, I loved it. At one point in time though, I did think that I was going to be a Michael Jackson backup dancer. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't work out. What happened to the dreams, man? What happened to the dreams? Did you not have the moves? Uh, the acting bug was like, no, just come on. Okay, come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting, acting became the forefront when you saw his hair go up in flames, right? He's like, no, <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> that's so funny, man. That's so funny. Well, I was also a theater kid growing up, so I'm always curious. Yeah. What was your favorite production that you were in? And tell us a little bit about the production, if not a lot of people know about it. Ooh, uh, my favorite one. I think it might be a tie between The Wiz and Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Both, <laughs> both I, uh, well, The Wiz, I did that when I was in high school, mm -hmm. but we did it with the, the uh, undergrad at Alabama State. Oh, nice. Awesome. It was a huge production. I mean, a huge production. We even had some of the little kids from the uh, summer camp as the, the munchkins and stuff. So <laughs> that great. one was really cool. And Jesus Christ Superstar, 
was my second production um, once again with the the undergrad program. And I was a little kid, a little kid. I was one of the dancers and like crowds, people running around. And I just fell in love with that show, man. We took it to um, ACTF Mm -hmm. uh, to perform and Oh, man, we had a ball with that production. <laughs> and yeah. it's so fun, right? I mean, on each production, you know, some t- people are interchangeable. They come in and out. But, like, yeah. each production is kind of like a family dynamic. And you can tell so many stories from each one. Like, it takes exactly. you right back, man. It's so fun. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I have still have keep up with all of my friends from those there shows. You too. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, like... <laughs> So obviously the start in theater, right? That that's where mm-hmm. it kind of goes and everything. So we yeah. always ask because we have to ask because it's always different from every one of our guests. How uh-huh. did you make that transition? Was that easy for you? Did you have to dial it back because you said you're a talker and in theater, you know, you got to play oh, to yeah. the back and you talk <laughs> loud and everything. And then you realize the camera's like right here where my mic is. And uh, so talk about that a little bit. Was that transition difficult for you, or did you kind of just like get right in and nail it, or what? Uh, yes and no. I would say. Once I got to grad school, um, I went to Brown University Trinity Rep Consortium for grad school. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of different uh, like classes and workshops about on-camera acting. And all the work (laughs) is still the same. Right. It is one of those things of like knowing when the shots are close up for your personal coverage. So like you said, dial it back a little bit, still keeping the same intention, the same motor and stuff running. Uh, but just slightly dial it back, but then knowing on the wide shots, hey, you know, that's it. I'm not going to say have it like you're on a Broadway <laughs> right. stage, but, <laughs> but you know, the performance can can heighten a little bit more. Um, and it was really cool. My first actual uh, on camera experience was in in undergrad. I did the uh, Rosa Parks movie with Angela Bassett and Cicely Tyson. Yeah, that was the first time I like got to actually be on a real set and perform. So watching them work also was was a great learning tool to see. Oh, okay. I see they even though it was millions of things going on around them, right. they stayed in the zone, they focused. And like I said, when it was their personal coverage, the, the acting and focus was so specific and so uh, pinpoint. And the same when it was the wide coverage itself, you know, they just opened up a little bit more. So yeah, though those those experiences helped out a lot man that i mean yeah. that's too legendary performers exactly. for you to get your first on-camera gig right if My you're gonna learn camera. right just sit back and kind of <laughs> learn from whoop exactly. that's two to learn from right there <laughs> exactly exactly and i was taking all the notes trying to soak up <laughs> oh, for everything. sure everything that's yeah. awesome man and you're based <laughs> out of new york right now right Yes. And yes. so did you choose New York that so you could still dabble a little bit more in theater? Because if you go out to L.A., there's not a lot of theater heading out there. So did you choose New York to dabble a little bit more on uh, with theater as well as in front of the camera? I, I did. Um, it was kind of a, a smoother transition. Yeah. Uh, like I said, out of grad school, thank goodness we had a showcase on both coasts. Right. I had a um, good response from both coasts. Mm-hmm. But I stayed on that. Uh, I had an offer to stay on that Trinity to be a company member for a year. Okay. Do three shows and then teach an undergrad class at Brown. So I was like, stay there and have work to build my resume and to keep performing or move to LA and not have anything right off. <laughs> so I was like, that's the easy choice. Sure. <laughs> so I did that for a year. 
And I was in the process of once again trying to figure out which coast I was going to go to. Right. And I auditioned for a show here in New York and ended up getting cast in it. I was like, well, I guess I got to move to New York at least for the duration of that show. And <laughs> thank God it was like, all right, I'll audition one more time. Okay. Got, oh, thank goodness. So I just kind of built a life here. Mm-hmm. Um, but working on both coasts is, is the dream. Oh, that is the dream. For yeah. sure, for sure. Has, um, oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, has Dick Wolf mm-hmm. called yet? Because I, I feel like it, if you're in New York, you know, you, eventually it's dun dun. You're gonna be at some point. I mean, there's not <laughs> there's I'm not waiting. a New York actor around that doesn't inevitably end up on one of those shows. You know. I know. I know. I'm waiting. I'm okay. definitely. All right. We're gonna start the social media campaign. That's We're gonna start right. it right yes. now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But what I was I was curious because you know. The podcast is built to help up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. We consider ourselves a one-stop shop of information, you know, industry news and actors' experiences and all that good stuff. Now, somebody who, you know, balances both coasts, and I mean, you do travel back and forth, either it be down to Atlanta or out to Los Angeles or back to New York. Do you keep the same agent or is it kind of like regional? Do you have to, like, find somebody in different regions? Thankfully for me, I've been able to keep the same ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually work on both coasts. That's awesome. Um, basically just everywhere, right. which is a good thing. Um, I do know some actor friends that have had to have some on one coast and some on another. Yeah. Um, and I <clears throat> I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I, I right. suspect it can be a little tricky because, you know, they might submit you for the same thing and you don't know. If you get it, yeah, who exactly. commission goes to and stuff like that. <laughs> well, but, that's um, what I was just about to bring up. Like, communication is key in this entertainment industry. Is. So, like, if they don't talk to each other, how is that going to work? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, thankfully, I, I have a good situation with, with my uh, agent and my manager. So, and they talk constantly, and I'm in conversation with them constantly. So, that's a good thing. Outstanding. Outstanding. So, okay. So we, we've got to, we've got to jump in because we've been having conversations back and forth. The daughter has been brought into the conversations. Like (laughs) friends have been brought into conversation. We all have different theories. We all have different thoughts. I want to go on the record though and say that I kind of thought immediately you weren't the bad guy they were trying to pin you to be. I was like, yes. I'm thinking this guy's actually a hero trying to help and not the bad guy they, they want us to believe that he is, right? So I yeah. held that. I'm like, that's my theory, and I'm putting that out there. And so we were discussing all that. <laughs> we're, of course, talking about Archive 81 and just, like, it's blown up on Netflix. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so talk about the, the casting process on that. And, and because for anybody who doesn't know, it's based on a podcast, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And- and I knew nothing about the podcast until I got the audition. Nice. And it's funny, you know, you you get an audition, they have the sides, and mm-hmm. sometimes they might have the script or the first episode. For this one, they did. They had the script and uh, they had the script and the sides, and they had a link to the podcast. Mm. I read over the sides, was like, oh my god, this is dope. This is right up my alley. I listened to one podcast, <laughs> thinking I was going to listen to one. Right. Ended up listening to like the first season. <laughs> Binge it, lis- listening to it, I was immediately hooked, and I was like, "Okay, I have to be in this. I have to be." In this. <laughs> thankfully, uh, 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 you know, God worked it out that I that I that I am. But um, the audition process it, it came up right during the quarantine mm. process, um, and 
me, like many other people, I was extremely scared to go out. Right. So I didn't get a haircut. I, before the audition came up, I hadn't had a haircut or anything. So <laughs> I, I big afro. My, be- my beard was huge. Um, and <laughs> one of my homegirls that, that used to live upstairs in my building, we were like, you know, basically quarantined together. It was yeah. a group of actors. Uh, uh, and she was like, no, you have to get a haircut before you start. <laughs> I'm going to pat it down. They're like, pat. no. So we called over um, one of my friends who knows a barber that was vaccinated. He came over and gave me a haircut. And you know how, like, you start off reading a character and stuff, and before you have the look that you want, Mm -hmm. you don't really click into it. And it was like, as soon as I got the haircut, I looked into the mirror. I was like, I got it. I got it. it." (laughs) Uh, So I had to send in the the tape for it. And, um, but I think Three days later, mm-hmm. um, my manager called and said that they wanted to have a, a Zoom call back. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. And I immediately got nervous because the weekend happened, and then there was going to be the, the Zoom, uh, the Zoom call back. So I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Or <laughs> uh, it actually turned out to be really cool. We we sat down and actually just had a conversation, just talked, got to know each other. Um, and the whole time I was like, make sure you don't say anything stupid. Make sure you don't say <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it, it was a great, great conversation. And then <clears throat> I think two days later, my uh, agent and manager called me on three-way. And I, I said, hello. And they said, is, is this Steven Turner? And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my goodness. So thank goodness for your friend, right? That says, no, no, you exactly. gotta get a haircut. Because right. that Zoom call could have oh. went, um, Charlie, you know you're not playing Dr. J, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Exactly. Turn. Like it could have been a whole different conversation. Right? I mean, a whole you know. different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely hilarious. And I mean, just off the pilot episode, yeah, your your mind is just racing. That I think that is what is so special mm. about this show is that yeah. every episode you think you have it figured out but then the next one comes about and you're like yeah. no what the hell was that like i have i don't know what's going on and it's like a balance between supernatural and like extraterrestrial and like yeah. cult and like all this different stuff yeah. mixed into <laughs> one like yeah. it's honestly anybody who is interested in at least one of those things is gonna love this freaking Fact. show and i mean especially exactly. like because you think about everywhere that you go, you have like a haunted building, right? And I mean, especially in New York, and you have a yeah. haunted apartment building with all these people. Like, I just absolutely loved it. And I mean, kudos to you guys. I, it just completely, the talent shined through, through in and throughout. And I mean, we're going to have Eden on, the uh, super. From, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have him on. So we're going to have a good guy and a, spoiler alert, a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> And I also loved how, because I didn't know at first, I was like, is this going to be a limited series that's kind of setting up that way? But then at the end, you're like, no, there's has to be a season two because there's like so many things unanswered. Like, for mm-hmm. example, what happened with the house fire? Mm-hmm. We didn't get an answer about the house fire. I didn't like with his theory. He hopes that you didn't set that fire. I think you might have set the fucking fire. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think you might have. That last like house scene we saw you in, you were a little angry. You you were not taking that song. Like I mean, I think it might have happened. 
I'm sticking with you're a good guy, man. I'm sticking with it. Like, you did not burn anybody. You did not do it. I have no idea. Right. Uh, I have my own thing. There are a lot of good theories out there. There about are. That whole thing. Um, I read one theory. Oh, what, what did it say? I read one theory that said that we like snuck away and, and the, the fire was a ruse. I read another oh. theory that said, that said like like you said that I did it, but I, after a while of like reading the different theories, I got so so wrapped up in them. I was like, "What did I do?" I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Logan said from the very first episode, you're like hooked, and you think you know, but you don't know. Like specifically yeah. with your character, I mean, when we're going through and it's happening, and we're watching everything, and you're like, "No, no, 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 wait, wait." His dad just was up in there. Like what? How? Like your introduction was phenomenal. It was like yeah. it took everybody by like, "No, wait a minute, no, that can't be right." His dad, but it it was excellent. So. You said earlier that you don't know, right? You can't, you can't tell the mm-hmm. fans. You can't spoil it. So th- was that intentional? Did the producers and the showrunners come to you guys and say, yeah, we're not telling you either <laughs> so that you're kind of going along with you don't know what what's going on either with the characters? That's intentional? I think it was intentional, but but I don't think it was as specific as that. It was like here each episode as we go along. <laughs> right. We got the last one, and it was – it said finish. It was like <laughs> – all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, um, while we were filming the the last episode, there was one time in particular, Dina and I were sitting at a table, literally having our saying our different theories about what right. we think would happen in the future. And the director walked by, and then the producer walked by, and they just just smiled. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh huh. We're like, are we right? Just like, good, yeah. like <laughs> And it was extra cool because everyone had their mask and stuff on, so you can you can kind of tell <laughs> oh, yeah. smiling in their eyes or whatever. And they just walked on up. No one really knows. Um, we all have our, our different theories, though. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And I mean, you brought up mass. How did everything feel safe on set? We are in the time where you know, working pandemic, and everything yeah. felt safe. It, was it shot in Atlanta or where was it shot at? We we shot in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, and honestly, I honestly think a Netflix set might be the safest place in the world. Mm, nice. Like, we we constantly were getting tested. We had different zones. Always had on mask and and hand sanitizer. Below. Like everything, you felt perfectly safe, so nice. you didn't have to, to worry about the outside. You just had to literally just go to work and and do the work. So that was one of the the things that. Because initially when I got cast, you know, I, I feel like everybody kind of had the same thing of like, oh, God, we have to fly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Be in a hotel and stuff. But no, nah, it was it was actually extremely, extremely safe. There you go. Now, now were yeah. your bubbles tents? Like we, we, had, we had some of the people from Raising Dion on and they were like, no, bubble is like us in a tent. And we pop out there, you know, kind of. Is that how you guys <laughs> were set up as well? Like little tents? No, no, no. We had our own trailers and stuff. Okay. Uh, just like. Except. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You're fine. Is that we couldn't, um, you know, like congregate like we normally would on a normal set, right? Um, but uh, you no, know, one day we did have little tents. One day because it got extreme. I mean, the cold was so bitter, and <laughs> yeah. so you just wanted to walk outside and just punch the wind. It was that cold. <laughs> so that day, um, they had us on the inside, and each person had like a little tent. But that was the one that was towards the end, and. 
you know, we were all sneaking out like, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, Netflix is going to love us because we've had several shows now and several guests on that have claimed how safe their sets are. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just- I mean, seriously, man, it, it, it was the first day I got on set. I was like, I immediately felt my shoulders and tensions just go like that. That's good. It really felt safe. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I mean, you're yeah. obviously a fan. You love the show. So what exactly is your favorite episode? Ooh, my yeah. favorite episode. <laughs> okay, of course, the episodes that I'm in. Of all course. Of course. <laughs> no, Come no, on now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly do like the last episode mm-hmm. because finally a lot of questions uh, are, are answered for sure or simply because you know a lot of clipping. yeah yeah uh, that episode is really cool but i do also like if i'm not mistaken it was episode five mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken um where like a lot of the conflicts really started to to really hit mm, together yeah. and you're like okay now i kind of think i know where this thing is going and then once you get to six and seven it kind of throws you in another loop right but, Five and eight were, were were my two because just the the, the visual of like everyone did an amazing job. Every department, costume, visual yeah. effects, set, direct, like everything. But um, definitely the visual effects and stuff in in um, in the the eighth episode was yeah. mm-hmm. amazing, and it spooked me out, and I was in it. I'm like, what <laughs> whoa! <the world?" laughs> I think probably for me. I really like the second episode where it had that psychological mm-hmm. stuff happening where yeah. he's trying to figure out who was in the red hoodie and then you yeah. pop up in the compound and he's like, what the hell? Like, Dad? Yeah. like, and he follows you down the hallway. I thought that was super creepy. Uh, I mean, yeah. just a little sidebar. I loved how they kind of mixed the thriller horror stuff in the right. earlier episodes and then yeah. turned it into this. Um, but then also like episode seven with, like you said, the CGI effects, the, the, um, the creature coming out of the screen. Oh. And he's like busting everything up. I thought that was absolutely like gorgeous cinematically, right? And then, and then for me, like the moment that Dan realizes what's going when he's watching the the, the video and he's and the medium is saying what he said, yeah, and, he, yes. and it's that oh shit moment when he realizes he's affecting and can affect. Like, yeah, for me that was it. That that. Because I was there with him. You feel like you're like, exactly. oh, shit, he's doing that. <laughs> like, like you're right there with him with that moment, yeah. right? So that was one yeah. of my favorite moments for sure. Um, you got, so you got you to gotta share. With, I mean, with such an epic set and such an epic cast and everything that's kind of going on and everything, did you have a moment, though, where you kind of like, oops? We always ask this, like, what's your most embarrassing moment on set or on stage, and, and you know, that you thought you were just going to never get over, but of course you do. Was it on archive? Was it on stage? Give us a story. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you've been doing it for a while, especially theater, so yeah. I know you have some That's good right. ones. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell you all this. Uh, <laughs> it's just between us. Shh, nobody it's else. just between us. Okay, um... <laughs> So, in grad school, my uh, my last year in grad school, we we're doing a, my thesis project. We we're doing Top Dog Underdog, and my best friend and I <clears throat> doing the show together. We, we literally best friends from six years old, roommates in theater camp, roommates in undergrad, grad school. Awesome. He's doing his monologue. I'm supposed to be asleep, 
And <laughs> at first I was like, oh, I have to burp. <laughs> so I tried to like ease out a quick little. Right, just little a little. Burp. And as I eased out a burp, I accidentally passed gas. <laughs> but it was one of those like, <laughs> like extremely loud. And we were in the little theater, so everybody heard it. Oh, man. And, it, and they started laughing, and he looked over, so I was like, all right, I got to use it. And so right. I, up, I brought my eyes, and I shot him the bird, and I laid back down. <laughs> See what I got to deal with? Everyone fell out laughing, and then the show kept going on. Oh, I was great. so embarrassed, though. After the show, I just kept apologizing. He was like, dude, it was per- it was a perfect moment. It was a perfect live theater moment. I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> the head of acting and everyone, they came and they were like, that was amazing. How did you all continue to go on? I would have been so flustered. <laughs> I was like, well, I basically like had a breakdown under the covers. <laughs> like, but uh, it actually turned out to be one of the best performances. But that was was really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so freaking great. I mean, you know, especially in theater, it's crazy stuff happens. And like, it's, it's, it's live. There, like, yeah, got- and there's nothing you can do about it. It's nothing. wild, man. So wild. And I mean, with you still dabbling back and forth, is there a certain mm-hmm. production that you would just love to be a part of? Like, for example, I would love to be a part of Hamilton. <laughs> like, I would absolutely love uh, yeah. to be a part of Hamilton. But what about you? Is there one that you still haven't got to be a part of yet? Uh, I still haven't got a chance to play Othello. Mm. I want to play so badly. Um, and I want to play Boy Willie. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've played Lyman, but I would love to play Boy Willie. Um, yeah, th- those are two that that definitely, definitely stick out. And and uh, <laughs> I have to, to work a little bit. Get my chops back right, but but to play Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar Ooh. would be that would be a dream come true. Oh, I can see that for sure. So I we've can got see a few. Yeah, we've got a couple campaigns to start. For exactly. Him, right? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Hashtag Charlie. That's right. <laughs> see, that's the beauty. It's social media now. It's hashtag everything. We can make whatever yeah. we want happen. Isn't it like yeah. who does it? <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. Something else that I'm really curious about because you're a very uh-huh. fun, loving guy. So, what uh-huh. is the overall goal for your career? What is the end game for you to make you look back and say, "I really enjoyed my time here." Uh, honestly, just to do meaningful work, um, to have fun, to continue to learn, mm-hmm. um, to inspire others. Um, I feel like if you can do those things, uh, you had, you've had a, a great life and a great career. For and sure. this is one career in, in particular, one industry in, in particular that things are always evolving and changing. So to be able to, to tackle something new, you know, like this is my first experience having CGI and, and, and having uh, a lot of stuff literally around me while I'm right. doing it. So that was a cool experience. So be, to be able to work in, in every different aspect of the field is, is, would be amazing. And it helps help other people come along as I move up in it. There, there you go. That, that we love yeah. to hear that part. We love to hear <laughs> yeah. any, any kind of um, desire to move behind the camera or, or uh, on uh, directing a stage play as well, or any kind of thing you're yeah. wanting to direct. Most definitely. Um, I would love to, because I already have a, a, a closer connection to the theater and to the stage, mm-hmm. right. directing there first and foremost is has always been a dream as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, now that I 
kind of have an inkling about some of the things that go on because I, I don't know everything that goes on for a director in either respect. Uh, I definitely would love to. Definitely would love to. Ah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, and it goes in with the learning, you know, continuing to learn the ins and outs of mm, it. And, and exactly. Just creating, creating art in general is everything. That's what we talk about too, because we also have a film and television production company. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're always learning and we use the podcast, you know, to help the up and comers break into it and give them the knowledge that, you know, if they're mingling at a party, they can bring up the entertainment news that's happening and they can talk about it and they can talk about experiences from different actors. But we also Mm -hmm. use it as a great way to connect with awesome people like yourself because I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's all about, you know, who are we thinking about to try to work with in this project or who are we thinking about (laughs) trying to direct with in this project? So I mean, it's all about making connections and it's all about having a good time because I feel like you see a lot of bad press about the entertainment industry, but there's a lot of good people in the entertainment industry. And I mean, it's our experience so far is a lot of people just want to help the next person, which I think is just so beautiful. Yeah. And that's been my experience as well, because we know that we all didn't have all the necessary tools to get us to the point that we are at. Right. So it's like the the limited, and I do mean limited in the sense that we continue to learn Uh knowledge that we have. It's like, of course we can only help, only way to help is to give back and to help like they say lifting as we climb and exactly i i love um helping other people with their auditions um sometimes with my undergrad they've come <laughs> brought students up and stayed in my apartment so nice. they can come to one of the shows i've done or a show in the city or something so it, it's always good because like how teachers say sometimes when they help teach something they're also learning as well yes uh, yeah and just seeing and hearing other people's experiences that helps your art as well, because you can add that into your 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 experience as a as a artist in front of the camera or behind the camera. Everything everything is a learning experience. Exactly. Yeah. And man, the knowledge that you clearly have about the industry is a prime example of someone who has taken every advantage to soak in everything and learn everything yeah. and use that right to, for your career and, and then pass along. And you clearly have done that. I got to tell you though, uh, as amazing as, as skilled and uh, as an actor you are, and as amazing as you're gaining all this knowledge and you're passing it along, you're clearly a good human being, but I would, I'd want to work with you for the smile alone, bro. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. You, you light up the room. You, your smile, this entire interview has just been amazing I, i'm like this guy is happy this this is a beaming <laughs> smile right there and that is infectious right because it is sometimes yeah. it isn't easy you know it might be a bad True. day on the set or you show up and it's like oh wait a minute we're all covid and like all this if yeah. you can't be happy and smile and put on that front to get everybody through it you know and i feel like you're that guy i feel like you're the guy that's like come on we got this we got you know let's be thankful yeah. and uh so i just wanted to say that man because the whole time i'm thinking wow he is light it up with that smile. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Of I definitely course, do. Man. Of yeah. course, of course. Well, what we like to do at the very end of our interviews okay. is have our guests leave a little piece of advice for the up-and-comers trying to break into it, and what pitfalls okay. would you say to try to avoid? Ooh. <laughs> pitfalls try to avoid. Wait, wait, the smile went away. Wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> Where's the No, no, no. Um, I think the biggest one is is getting in situations that are opposite of your personal um, beliefs or your personal aesthetic. Mm. Um, 
and your personal aesthetic as far as as art is concerned right because i don't think anyone actually ever told me going up that i could say no to an audition or no to a, a particular gig right if i would offered it because we kind of are in tune to think that out of sight out of mind um so sometimes if there's a show that you like I really just don't want to do this show or I don't want to take this audition. You don't have to because there will thankfully always be work out there, mm-hmm. but to always stay prepared, but to know what your aesthetic is so you can actually turn down stuff that you don't feel you, you, you know, link up to because I think we all have kind of done a show or done something where we're like kind of not well, for lack of a better term, kind of miserable doing it because we didn't want to do it going into it. We're like, well, let me just do it because I have to do it. No, it's it's a it's a it's a career that, that has its ups, has its downs. But the best thing to do is always be in a situation where you can give your all to it, and you can't give your all to a situation when you're not happy. Mm, I love that. That's good. Ooh, that's yeah. That's, that's happiness. Deep. It all comes down to: Are you happy? I'm really yeah. glad you said that, though, because I think, and we have talked about this numerous times in the past, and myself and Logan, that I think that a lot of up and comers and new actors, especially, think you have to reach a certain level before you can start turning stuff down. That you're going to yeah. kill your career if you try that when you're way down here, right? Yeah. And so I'm so glad that you said that, though, because I do feel like a lot of people compromise themselves because they feel they have no choice, but they yeah. do have a choice. And and you thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank. It, it was something. It was a learned experience for me. I, I had to learn myself. But um, the first time, I honest, and it was cool. My my agent hit me back and was like, "I'm glad you turned this one down. Good for you." And I was like, wow. Okay. You know. <laughs> you mean if, that's if okay? You don't, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. But if if you don't know, then you know, just keep saying yes to stuff Mm. yeah i love it man i love it and yeah like we're all about mental health we've been talking about that a lot recently and that is a big part of it you don't want to put yourself in a miserable situation where you know going into it you're you might be miserable so i mean especially in an industry that's like it's built on confidence so you gotta you know stay at your a game to be prepared for the next project that you will be in but yeah, man, yeah. oh man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like you are absolutely amazing. And you know, <laughs> it's it's all about social media now. So where yeah. can people follow you? Uh on Instagram at Charlie Three Stacks. Uh nice. <laughs> on, Facebook, <laughs> on uh Facebook, Charlie Hudson the Third, and on Twitter at Charlie Three Stacks as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Stereo. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can't tell we spend a lot of time together. Right? Right. You know? I love I it. I do have one last question, though. I'm curious minds want to know, and I'm just interested, um, now that you've reached a certain stature and, you, and you're, you're, you're a known actor and you've got this whole career going and everything, um, does Keisha Knight Pullman know that she started your career and uh, about the crush? Like, you did you tell Rudy? Like, I just want to know. <laughs> I haven't had an opportunity to tell her yet. Well, we'll work on a- that too. We'll call Keisha and <laughs> yes. say, "Hey, man, you started this man's career, Rudy." Like, yeah. boom. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely need to tell her thank you. That's right. <laughs> Who knew Rudy Huxtable was so powerful, hey, right? Hey, you know. hey, and and that's what it is. You're inspiring somebody, and she literally has no idea. You know, exactly. That's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, listen. Take care. Thank you again, and we'll be talking to you soon, man.
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. Great conversation, guys. Oh, yeah, appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right, you have a good night. You too. Thanks. All right. Talk about a guest right there, man. I mean, I can't stop smiling. Yeah, seriously. I, like I told him, that smile was infectious. It, it, it's like if you were having a bad day, just step into the room with Charlie and seriously. you're like, it's all good now. Like, I mean, it's so passionate and inspired about what he does. And, and like, I love that. Man. Yeah. And I mean, you could tell he was just a fan of the content that he was putting right. out. Like, I thought that was the most special thing because you think, I mean, it is a job, but you're also supposed to have fun with it. It's supposed to be your passion. So to have someone Someone come on and be like oh my gosh yeah my theory this theory like <laughs> yeah. i thought that was really special and something that up-and-comers can take take that away with because you know you don't have to be attached to something that you're miserable with exactly and 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 the one thing that just like really let me up too that i was real is when he mentioned that the students come into his apartment yeah. right and 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 teaching and guiding because guys we talk about it all the time when you get to a certain point, if you can give back and 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 share your story and help somebody else, that's what it's all about. And we love having people on that do that. And, sure. and so, yeah, just class act, man. Seriously, seriously. Thank you again, Charlie, for coming on the show. All right, mate. Now it is time for the top five segment. And this week, you know how last week it was actresses of color. This week it's actors of color. Yes. Such hard category, man. So freaking but no, I mean, you know, we, we went there. We went there. There's a lot of honorable mentions like uh, Chadwick Boseman, not yeah. on either mm. one of our lists. Mm. Uh, amazing actor, did some amazing things. Should have been on the list. Should have been on the list. Should have been know, on the list. But, but you know. Uh, number five for me, uh, Camille Nanjiani. Everybody knows him from The Eternals, but you go back, go way back to the film that um, he wrote, starred and all the amazing things. The Big Sick, mm. such a beautiful film about his life and about how he's so met his funny. wife. And it's so funny. But he's just such a talented actor and is just finally getting the recognition that he deserves. So that is why he's number five for me. And, I mean, he's such, like I said, an amazing, amazing person. So number five, Camille. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, I just want to clarify that a ton of the people that were on Logan's list could also have been on my list That's true. and vice versa, but we try to keep them separated and we try to keep old and young. And so, we're, you know, this, I'm just saying. This guy also, I want to clarify, my number five could have been number one. Could have been. Uh, could have been, but I'm just saying. I'm, of course, talking about the man, the myth, the legend himself right now who's just killing it. Michael B. Jordan. Yes, sir. I mean, this guy is just slaying everything from television to film, getting ready to make his directorial debut with Creed III, uh, obviously raising Dion, and just like a plethora of other projects going on. Um, if you guys have not watched his body of work, I know you've seen the big stuff. Go back and watch Fruitvale Station, yeah. the very first thing you know from, from Michael B. and Ryan Coogler, and you'll see where the buzz comes from and why this guy is so phenomenally talented and why the career has been taken off the way it has. Um, watch that film. I watch that film and I'm like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And then just started eating up everything I could find with Michael B. And now, of course, he's everywhere. Thanks, you yeah. don't have to look to find anything. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, my number five, Michael B. Jordan. And I can't wait for the directorial debut and to see more stuff behind the scenes because I think this guy's just a, 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 a whirlwind of talent that's going to be here for a very long time. For sure, man. For sure. And I mean, parenthood, like all, no, all, they're just all so, the things. Yeah, man. All the things. Uh, number four for me, Lakeith Stanfield. This mm. guy popped up in season one of Atlanta, and since then, he has not stopped working. <laughs> 
Like either he's and he's so amazing too because he's so interchangeable from the lead role to a great supporting role. Um, I mean, of course, Knives Out. You've got. Um, Sorry to bother you. You've got Atlanta. You've got uh, so many. The photograph with Isaray. Mm. That one is a beautiful film. That's completely different than what he was normally doing. And we got that the. Um, I think it's the harder they fall yeah, right now. The yeah. western with Idris Elba and Regina so King. So fucking good. Like I mean, this guy is absolutely everywhere. Like I said, he's so like in the trenches and so dynamic to where he can change up his genres just like that. But of course, I I love him on Atlanta. He's such a fucking hilarious stoner that just always has these like these theories and these thoughts and i mean he's so talented and he's definitely one of the top rising up and coming stars i'm up and coming he's there yeah uh, but he's the top rising like young stars that's happening right now and i would love to have him on the show oh hell yeah hell yeah he's brilliant in the fucking western y'all he plays a quick draw like guy and just fucking fantastic i loved him in that my number four (laughs) you might remember him from from batman uh, so he played the he played Ra's al Ghul, but wasn't really Ra's al Ghul in the reboot of Batman. Of course, I'm talking about Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I'm talking about, of course, the one and only Ken Watanabe. Now, I first saw him in in The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Fucking brilliant. This man is an absolutely brilliant actor. He has been in a ton of stuff since then. You may recognize him, you may not, because half the time he's made up into different things or whatever. But he's an absolutely brilliant Asian actor who, in my opinion, needs to be in a whole lot more stuff and get a whole lot more recognition because he's just phenomenal. Go check him out. Go back and watch the you know the first Batman film in the in the Nolan trilogy. Check out The Last Samurai, and then you'll be looking like me for all kinds of projects that he stars in because he's absolutely amazing. For sure, man. For sure. Number three for me goes to like another top rising star. Just kind of came out of nowhere, which I mean – he probably was working his ass off for years, but I mean, you know, I, I love everything that he's been in recently. And I'm talking about Henry Golding, mm. and this guy is badass. I mean, of course, starring in Crazy Rich Asians, which was a huge milestone in the Asian American, Asian community in general. And then, I mean, he goes over to Snake Eyes and being the bad guy in The Gentleman with Matthew McConaughey and just so many different things. He is also, just like Lakeith, he's able to bounce around genres and just being very versatile which i think is very special in this up-and-coming generation they're able to do all these different things but i mean everybody should really check out snake eyes uh the gi joe spinoff uh prequel it is so good and he does an amazing job at you know figuring out that character before he went you know mute and all these different things but he's just such a amazing actor so yeah check him out in there and also also damn it no i meant to it was camille camille is going to be in ob1 going back to my number five camille he's going to be in like six episodes i think all six episodes of ob1 so check him out for that but also check out henry he's great too yeah and versatile like you said didn't he do he did that christmas romance uh, romantic comedy right yeah yeah so there you go the guy's all over the place my number three legend Legend. Yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> Eddie Murphy. I mean, who doesn't know the laugh, right? I mean, come on, fucking just I did Saturday Night Live, launched him into superstardom, and then of course, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, you uh, coming to America, fucking everything under the sun, name it. He's been in it. 
fucking brilliant. Uh, then when the career kind of like he resurfaced and came flying back with all the nutty professor movies. Then when it kind of he came flying back with all the animated movies, of course, playing the dragon and Mulan and just so many different things. This man's career just keeps going and going and going. And now once again, resurfaced with coming to America too. Um, you can't keep this man down. You can't stop him. Exactly. He's everywhere. He even tried singing once. Was in a video with Michael Jackson. Had a song out. Like yeah, you know, he's got to be successful. And you have like seventeen kids. I mean, <laughs> you have to, and like eight ex-wives. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how many ex-wives. You know, but he's like at a party. All he the time. Party. Go check out that song. Don't check out that. No, song. Dude, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, though, Eddie Murphy. Look, all kidding aside, paved the way for a lot of these younger guys that we're talking about. For sure. Um, you know, and much well deserved to be on the list of, of actors. So my number three. Eddie Murphy, and I'm still hoping to get that Beverly Hills Cop sequel. Yes, I love it. I love it. Uh, Number two for me is probably my favorite young actor that's out right now, and that is Justice Smith. Mm. He is so freaking good. First Solomon, Paper Towns, he was the best friend. And, I mean, that cast in general, that's such an underrated movie. Everybody should go watch that one. But then when he, you know, pops in in Jurassic World, and then he pops into the get-down, taking on that lead character role, and you can tell that he just shines and he can take that on and he can bring a cast together and now he's a part of generation where he's playing a outwardly gay water polo player and he's so good at it he just got so many talents that he just knows how to utilize and again i've been trying to get him on the show for like the past four or five <laughs> come years. on justice but like this guy he's so talented he's going to be like the number one thing one day so be on the lookout for him justice myth yes yes so uh, just phenomenal i yeah. mean the guys uh, in jurassic world he's the part of the huge dominion you know uh crew there yeah um okay my number two is the epitome of proving that it's never too late to start going after your dreams this man didn't even get started until well into his late 50s and now he's fucking legendary and the single person that i want to narrate my life i'm of course talking about morgan freeman morgan freeman morgan freeman just a phenomenal fucking actor from the get-go like everything this man has ever been in from shawshank redemption to fucking electric company way back in the day if you remember the electric company i do on tv um just I mean, everything. The man has... I don't think he's ever given a bad performance ever. So, um, definitely worthy to be on the list. Definitely worthy to be my number two, Morgan Friedman. And I hope he's not done. I hope he's just got a shit ton more coming. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And by the way, if you've never checked out his fucking uh, bar, his blues club in, mm. in Mississippi, fucking go. It's right near the crossroads. Don't go to the crossroads. Just say Go to his blues club. It's <laughs> fucking fantastic. You'll love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, number one for me is the definition of a creator. And I mean, basically gave Lakeith like his start into superstardom. And I am, of course, yeah. talking about Donald Glover. This guy is basically anywhere and everywhere and so cryptic and so able to maneuver, bounce around the entertainment industry when it comes to music and film and television. Because mm. you know that Lion King, man, that was really good and then of course community starting out on there starting out in theater and also he's so good with childish gambino and that alter ego of his and putting out that form of expression when it comes to hip-hop and he's just everything he does i freaking love he's an amazing um 
Lando, and I mean, he's just everywhere, man. He's everywhere. If you didn't like the solo movie and his interpretation of Lando, fuck you. Um, but I'm just in Atlanta, like, oh, and I mean, speaking of him, Atlanta season three and season four. That's it, by the way. We just wanted to throw that out there. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, man, Donald Glover, my number one and one of my most inspirational idols that I looked up to in the entertainment industry. Hey, and if you guys didn't know it, one of the main reasons of the huge popularity of Deadpool along with Ryan Reynolds, because if you guys didn't know, the Deadpool animated series, which was fucking badass, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Fucking badass. So amazing. So yeah, that's awesome. Okay, my number one, I could have put the sun on the list. Because he's fucking amazing. If you haven't seen him with Zendaya, uh, what? Go watch it. I'm talking about John David Washington. But I have his daddy on the list as my number one. I have to do it because, let's face it, he's one of this generation's most brilliant actors, most nominated for Academy Awards. Just fucking brilliant. I'm, of course, talking about Denzel Washington. Yes. Nominated, like, I mean, just again, he's gonna be Oscar season, right? For the tragedy of Macbeth, most recently. But this man is just name a film that he wasn't Oscar worthy in, right? Uh, like, like I, I can't. The man from Pelican Brief to fucking Philadelphia to just like glory to just, I, I mean, everything, every training day, everything this man has ever been in has been Oscar worthy, deservedly so. He's a brilliant actor. Um, I don't know what else to say about him. You know, you know how brilliant he is. Clearly, the talent leaks because the sun is just as brilliant. Um, and talk about, uh, you know, a, a, a path paver, like just making the way for people behind him to come up and, and be able to do what they're doing. Denzel fucking Washington, yeah. which, by the way, if you guys didn't know, uh, we talked about Chadwick Boseman, Denzel fucking Washington got him in, paid. For him to go to school, for acting, convinced him to go into the career. You have Denzel Washington to thank for Chadwick fucking Bozeman. That's how badass Denzel Washington is. That's why he's number one on my list. That's, That's what I'm right, saying. Man. Number one on my list, That's Denzel Washington. Right. So good, man. So good. Well, who is your favorite actor of color? We want to know. There's so many great ones out there, so it's hard to pick only ten from both of I mean, us. Seriously. I mean, the list is just nonstop. So let us know. Let us know in the comment section or at us on Twitter. We love it. We love it. Love it. Heading over to the box office recap. I'm kind of surprised by this one. Box office was kind of a flop last week. It was. Uh, because Death on the Nile came out and Marry Me came out. But get this. Death on the Nile came in at number one but only pulled in about $13 million, $12.9 million. Mm. Uh, still a lot of money. Come on now. But still. In I'd the, take $12.9 million. Oh, yeah. For sure. For <laughs> sure. But in the sense of what they spent on the film, it's kind of flopped. Uh, number two, Jackass Forever. It stayed at number two. Or, I mean, it stayed above Marry Me, which I was kind of surprised about. Yeah, but me not, too. Not by much, though. Um, Jackass Forever got at number two with $8.1 million. Marry Me, Owen Wilson and J-Lo, uh, got $8 million. So not $100,000. Well, and Marry different. Me, to be fair, is streaming also. Yep. So, I mean, that could help. You know. Peacock, yep. Um, and Spider-Man No Way Home got $7.5 million. I'm surprised it's still doing that much. Well, and honest. let me tell you, let's let's just put that right here too because we mentioned this real quick that we didn't mention in our Sony news. That included in that $7.5 million was the $1 million it needed to officially become the third highest grossing domestic film of all time, passing Avatar. But guys, I'm pretty sure that's it because it would need another $100 million yeah. to catch Avengers Endgame. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> 
Um, and number five was Blacklight with uh, three and a half million. Okay. Uh, new movies that are coming out this week: King Knight, Uncharted, Dog, the one with Channing Tatum, The Ledge, and The Curse. Mm. So check all those out at your local cinemas. And movies you can still go see right now: Scream, Moonfall, Licorice Pizza. That one's an Oscar contender, yep. so check that one out. The Beatles, Get Back, The Rooftop Concert. And The Kingsman, which I'm pretty sure they just put that on HBO Max. Yeah, it's so, streaming, so. Yeah, uh, you can see that there. Uh, now heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Uh, Nightmare Alley, that is an Oscar contender. You can watch that on yep. HBO Max. Reacher, uh, that's the one with uh, Hawk there, yeah, right? Yeah, Alan Richardson. Alan yeah. Richardson, and that's why he's our number one <laughs> trending star, Alan Richardson. I got to tell you, watching my social media feeds, I'm shocked at the amount of people who had no idea who Alan Richardson was. They're like, who the fuck's this hottie playing Reacher? And like all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what? He's been around for have years. You, you, uh, years. Like, like the football show, what's that football show yeah, that he was Blue on? Mountain State. Yeah, Blue Mountain State and fucking Aquaman way back on Smallville and he's Dove on fucking Titans. How the fuck do you not know who he is? Like, I don't know. He's Dove. He's He's Dove. He's Hawk. Uh, he's Hawk. Was, not Duff. He's, like Duff. he's Duff. <laughs> You're the comic book, bro. This is how upset I am. I this know. Is how upset there I am. you go. There you go. He's such a good actor, though, he could have fucking played Duff. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. But anyway, guys, that is episode 185 for us. Thank you so much for getting a little crazy on this show. We got to thank our guest again, Charlie Hudson Third, yes. for coming on the show. Charlie3Stacks on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to follow him. Be sure to follow the company and podcast on social media. The company is at Crazy Ant Media and the podcast is at ItCap Podcast. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media and get some interaction in. We love having yes. conversations. Myself, I'm at JLoFantastic and... I'm at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right, this guys. This one right here is Peanut the Puppy. You can follow Peanut as well. <laughs> Peanut, uh, he's on Instagram. Yes. You guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so many others. Oh, yeah. And you guys know you can watch this video on YouTube. Be sure to hit the like video or like button on the video. Subscribe to our channel to keep up with all the craziness and ring the bell for all all the latest and greatest notifications that we have coming out at Crazy Ant Media. And, I mean, to be honest, like, the best part, I mean, is the website. The website is the best part of everything. <laughs> it's like all in one. All in one. Visit the website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts. We got hats. We got buttons. We got masks. We got tumblers. We got coffee mugs. We got mouse pads. We got We got it fucking all. underwear. We got <laughs> I am fucking underwear. Man. Everything, man. Oh, that's why you got to follow us on social media so you can know when the promo you codes are. You can literally are. have ants in your pants. Literally. Literally. Love it, man. I love it. <laughs> But it was such a great show. So many good things that we talked about. Blew through it. I'm super excited, honestly, for John Williams to come back to the Star Wars universe for Obi-Wan for the theme song. And, I mean, the interview was just so good. I love that guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Superman the movie. Yeah. The ultimate, like, fucking, I never will ever forget that man. Yes. He's brilliant. Uh, Obviously, I'm huge. Wonder Twins, fucking Doctor Strange, like, all the comic book shit, super pumped about. And, you know, we were talking, and I think we're going to do an Is It Worth It, you know, behind-the-scenes special because Taylor Sheridan just... Whoa, what the – so much more to talk about about that. And is it worth it for Paramount to be spending this money and doing this so quickly? We'll find out, man. But that was definitely fun to talk about as well. It really was, man. It really was. And you guys know we love the one. 
the only Oprah! Oprah!